Welcome back, listeners. You are listening to Everyday Humanity. We're always glad that you're here joining us. I love stories and I love people and I love to talk, which should come as no surprise to any of you listening who have been listening along or especially to you, Dennis. Are you surprised by that, that I like to talk a lot? I plead the fifth. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. But but under that heading of loving people and stories um, and talking through that with individuals, I'm excited about our guests today. And I would love for you to introduce them because I want to talk about backstories and and how you serve today and how you get to Mel Trout. I'm kind of giving it away, but I think you should just like do the honors. Wow, this is, you never let me introduce people. This is awesome. Turn, my, turn my new leaf. Um, yeah, I'm super excited today because um, our guests are Adam and Christy Lipsicum. And I've known them now for just over 10 years. And um, they are a married couple, hence the shared last name. Um, but they are, they have pastored together. They founded a church together. Um, they have a huge heart for obviously ministry in the Lord. But they also have a part of that is having a huge heart for the people that we serve at Mel Trotter. And um, as you're talking about stories, right, one of the best stories that I tell about Mel Trotter is how City Life, their church, how that was founded and the role that guests at Mel Trotter played. And um, which is I I'm, can't tell your story for you, but it is just such a huge um, God story that I think can be a little unexpected, mm-hmm. but it's but it's so great. So uh, I'm just really excited to welcome you guys here and maybe to start out, just um, have you guys share just a bit about you, your family, uh, how long you've been married, things like that. And then we can go from there. Yeah, Sounds good. Yeah. Thank, well, thanks for having us here. <laughs> we love Mel Trotter. We've been friends with Mel Trotter as an organization for what 18 19 years now oh, yeah. so we we started as young adults and now we're middle-aged adults and <laughs> it's, been, it's been a big part of our personal lives as well so um as dennis mentioned adam and i co-founded city life church which is within walking distance of mel trotter we should actually talk about our location and how oh, that sure. played into that too and i'm currently serving as the lead pastor there and Adam is working at Mel Trotter, and mm-hmm. you can talk about that. We have two teenage boys, 14 and 16. They have grown up with lots of friends at Mel Trotter, both kids and adults who've been part of their lives. And um, and so, yeah, you want to share about you, Adam, and then we can talk about how the church got started? Sure, yeah. You know, I think um, when I was first called to, to ministry as a teenager, I my senior year of, of high school, I put my faith in Jesus, and then every good gift that came from in my adult life was the seeds of that were planted there. I just dreamed of a church like City Life that would was multi-ethnic, that um, connected across the economic spectrum, that had um, lots of different types of, of people in it. And um, so it was, you know, heading here as a 20-something to, to, to start a church I had all these hopes and dreams, and I was young and green. We were both green, um, and I just had a lot of expectation for what what this this could look like. Um, but never would I have thought that God would have used um, used who He used to to get the church going and started, and like the way that God unfolded. All of those those dreams was just much more beautiful than than what we we would have hoped for or imagined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we started when we were first church planting. We moved to the area and we're really praying for a location. Mm-hmm. So we we're trying to figure out where does God want us to be. Grand Rapids is a big place. We knew we were called. We knew we felt called to Grand Rapids. We felt called to the core city and knew that that's where we wanted to be. 
And uh, really, we're just praying about locations. And uh, the first, actually, we should talk about our um, <laughs> our practice services. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people who start churches, they have a sense for what exactly how they want that thing to unfold. Right. We didn't. I mean, we we were new to ministry and we had a vision for what it was going to look like eventually, but we were so just inexperienced. We didn't know how to do things. So we started practice services in um, a conference room and we told people, don't invite your friends. We're just we're just going to try to learn how to how to worship together. But even during those early days of practice services, there was um, maybe you should tell the, the story of the woman who. From who came. Yeah, so we were beginning these practice services, and um, there there was a there was a, a worker at Mel Trotter at the time. I forget what his role was. He was one of the mentors, or he was in charge of the men's program, mm-hmm. I think. And he got wind of this church of, of us wanting to start this church, and knew that we were going to be in proximity to the area. And so he reached out to Adam and said, "Hey, let's let's talk. Like we we're looking for." church options within walking distance of the mission. And, and, um, so I, and he, he invited me to come and connect with one of the women in their program. And the way they organized the program at the time was they had different levels. So like if you were at level one or level two, you got told where you went to church and then at level three, you got <laughs> to choose which church you went to. Right. And so that was just how it was organized at the time. And he said that I have a woman in level three who wants to talk to you about maybe helping to start the church. So I went to the mission, uh, got a little tour from her, and uh, she and I just got to know each other. She she was probably about 15 or 20 years older than me and really had been an alcoholic pretty much all of her life yeah. and was gaining sobriety for, uh, really long-term, really for the first time, and got to know her. She ended up being part of our practice services. She started coming and... Um, and uh, became part of our core team that first year. And then Adam got invited to come and connect with the men. Yes. And I was, again, I didn't know how to share the vision of, of the church, really. And so I just bumbled through something in front of a, a bunch of, of guys, he, me and another guy in the church. And um, I had been giving this sort of stump speech wherever I would go to try to gather support for starting right. City Life. And um, I was so terrible at it that, you know, people would just, uh, you know, people would not respond in the way that I hoped they would. They thought they've got big dreams. Yeah, they've got big <laughs> dreams. Right. Yeah. God's, I can relate. God's going to work through their lives eventually. <laughs> but the but the guys that were part of the program at the time, they understood exactly what I was talking about. Wow. They saw the need in the community. Mm-hmm. And um, resp- there was just this heartfelt response in the room in that moment and they followed through. I mean, they started when we started public worship services and said, invite your friends. Uh, they started coming and they started inviting their friends from the mission. And then they started inviting their friends from outside the mission and family members. And when, when they would exit the program and they would, would leave, they would stay connected to, to the church. Um, they started to uh, serve in our ministry teams and lead. And I don't think that we would have survived the first year of mm-hmm. being a church plant if it yeah. weren't for yeah. men and women yeah. who are, who are part of Mel, the Mel Trotter community. 
That is so amazing, right? Like, I, I really think we have to pause on this for a second because we all have our own stereotypes about yep. anybody, but especially yep. about people in poverty or experiencing homelessness. And to just rest for a second on they came in, they started serving, they took leadership, mm-hmm. and, yep. you, and the church may not have survived if it wasn't yep. for the people experiencing homelessness. I mean, that's that's like huge. That's God's heart for the poor. That's God yeah. using yeah. anyone. That's yes. everyone made in the image yeah. of God. That's amazing. Yes. It, it really was incredible. It yeah. really was. And we had people who were, who would say helped lay foundations, Yeah, but they were the pillars. They were the pillars of the church. Wow. And they, and in they, many ways, many of them still are. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. In fact, mm. we have people part of the mm-hmm. church now who were with us 18 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so they let, they did the setup team that we were, we were meeting at the bus station. Actually, we met up in the conference floor, the second floor conference room of the Grand Rapids bus station for that first year. So every week we were setting up, tearing down, setting up, tearing down, and they did the setup. They did the recruiting. You should tell about you and how you and Don went out and got people. Yeah. They let our tech team. (laughs) Yep. Um, yeah. And there's one individual who's just on fire and, uh, he and I would go out and we would just gather up folks that were out and about on the, on the street before worship service started. We'd hop in the car and, and stop under bridges and say, come on in, you know, hop in the car. Okay. That's the, that's the church. He yeah, brought, yeah. That's the church. He brought, he'd bring 20 people every Sunday. Oh, by far. Yeah. I think that over <laughs> half of the church came that first year because of one of the Meltrotter guests who yeah. invited and yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was amazing. I love that guy. <laughs> Where did you guys move from? I heard you say, Adam, you, did you know each other in high school? You said you were a senior in high school when you... I was Yes, okay. so that was before we met. So we would met in college Okay. and then uh, fell in love there, got married afterward. And where was that? You guys said moved to Grand Rapids or like where were you before GR? We, we met at Indiana Wesleyan University. Okay. This is what I thought, right? You guys know that I lived in Fort Wayne for 20 years. Oh, and so yeah, you were yeah. in Marion. You were at Iowa. Yes. yes. I did yes. not know that. Yes. Yeah. Well, now I have things I need to connect to yeah. the world. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. An, it's an amazing school. Yeah. Yes. I was there. Yeah. We were there. Then we lived in the Ann Arbor area for a little while. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Did suburban ministry, discovered what we weren't called to. Yes. <laughs> Process of elimination. Yes. Yeah, really. Yeah. 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 Took and what we thought were safe jobs. We returned to West Michigan for about a year and a half, just kind of working some things out. Yeah. Then we went yeah. to seminary at Asbury Theological Seminary yeah. in oh, Wilmore, yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. And we were just seminary grads that came to Grand Rapids to start so church. Cool. And, and Christy, you grew up in Holland, right? I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Adam, where did you grow up? I can't remember. I started out in Battle Creek, but I, I okay. grew up in northern Indiana okay. and then in the Detroit area. Like okay. Angola? Like Mishawaka. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Still a Notre Dame fan. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I get no love around here. That's, that's I okay. I got to get love. We, we think God loves you too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh my goodness. I, I hear this story. And so my first introduction to city life, I was not too long after I moved to Grand Rapids. So I moved to Grand Rapids again under the whole heading of storytelling, right? I moved here in January of 2017. And I honestly thought one of the sort of least concerning things on my to-do list when you move after living in a city for 20 years would be to find a church. I'm like, mm. cause it's West Michigan. How hard can this be? Mm. Right. I'm like, there's some choices there. Yeah. And I just, I didn't think about it cause I've always been involved in the church. And I moved here and it proved to be uh, a pretty difficult uh, task to kind of find some place mm-hmm. that I felt like home. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said to my husband, I, I got this because he was be- getting a little frustrated. and I was a little frustrated, like how, you know, he grew up Lutheran. I grew up Catholic, but we had been in non-denominational churches. And so for us, we just, we love being in church. We love the liturgy. We love all of it. We love the people. 
And I thought, well, I don't want to seem to get frustrated anymore, so I'm just going to take care of this. So I get, yeah, I know, big surprise. Hold for, hold for applause. Hold for shock and awe. Um, and so I got in the car and I just drove downtown. You know, because in Fort Wayne, um, we were attending a church, um, which was also very similar to City Life. And that's just where mm. my heart is, too. So I came into your building. I don't know if you guys remember. And I'm no. right, well, asking questions. I'm like, hi, who, who's like, who's in charge here? And and how many people do you have? Were here? you asking them the question? Uh-huh. You I, were? Uh-huh. You don't know the story either. No, I don't. <laughs> because I loved it. I loved the building. I loved the people. I loved everything about the feel. When you walk in that door, mm. it is incredibly welcoming and filled with love and filled with everything that you um, eloquently said, Adam, you were like, I, I wanted multi-ethnic and people from different backgrounds and different, you know, humans, everyday humanity, yeah. humans who were in this building. And so I've loved it since then. And then when I started to volunteer at Mel Trotter and I was uh, teaching devotions to the guests and I'd be like, so where do you guys all go to tr- city life, city life, city life? City. I'm like, <laughs> okay, we're onto something here. Right. But it's yeah. just that sense of community, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you walk in that building and you feel and see the love of Jesus in action. Yeah. 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 We really feel like we've been recipients as much as we've been givers. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we, we wanted to be part of the, the ethos of the church, but it has come back to bless us probably more than what we thought it would. Mm -hmm. And so like at city life, one of the things we talk about is, is when, what we want is we want to do ministry with the poor, not ministry to the poor. Yes. And so we have people from the mission, people off the street, people from low-income housing that are in ministry teams serving in the church. And um, I mean, they're, they're running our entire hospitality team right now. They do all the greeting. They do the ushering. They do. There was the one man who's at one time said, um, just so you know, you shouldn't have me as an usher because I embezzled money and got in trouble with the law. So I just need to do greeting. Like, that's fine. That's fine. Thanks for letting us know. Um, that's priceless. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, I mean, they're, they're running all sorts of things and uh, just finding home and, and they're learning that they have something to contribute. Yes. And even though they've been on the recipient end so many times. And uh, we're just recognizing that their gifts are necessary in the body. Uh, they also just lead the way spiritually. Mm-hmm. The The spiritual vitality in the church is, I think, in many ways led by those who have hit bottom mm-hmm. because they're not afraid to just say, God saved me. Yeah. Yes. And yes. I wouldn't be here without him. And what yeah. it has done is opened up the possibility for other people who would be maybe more socioeconomically stable mm-hmm. to be vulnerable yes. and to say, you know, I have problems too. Yeah. And, and that's been a really beautiful thing where I'd say particularly people of Mel Trotter have really led the way for that kind of spiritual vulnerability in the church. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think one of the learning curves for me over the course of the years has been just knowing that God's spirit wants to work in his whole church. Yes. And, um, I think that the the partnership that City Life has had with Mel Trotter mm-hmm. and with other churches in our communities and, and other nonprofits um, in that faith community, I think there's a sense in which the spirit moves and all of us experience mm-hmm. life as a result of, of that. And I remember, especially early on at City Life, there would be times in which I'm, you know, I'm up front, I'm preaching, I'm reading God's word, and I would look up and people would be um, mouthing the the words because they've committed it to heart, like whole passages of, of scripture. 
That does not happen in a lot of churches. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen in a lot of churches because yeah. Christians don't even read their Bible anymore. Yeah, yeah. and the the folks that were were being discipled at Mel Trotter, mm-hmm. they just they, they knew the Bible us. because they valued, mm-hmm. um, wow. mm-hmm. they valued the Word of of God, yeah. and had experienced just a powerful move of of God in in their own lives. Yeah, um, yeah. well, and and you guys have, I know, Christine. I I so respect when you said we want to give as much as we receive and or receive as much as we give that sort of thing which is so great but you guys have given so much your church has given so much i mean like i was just thinking sitting here um when we went through as an organization a leadership transition uh that was pretty tough for our organization mm. eight years ago seven years ago um it was you and, and dave bielen from madison that came in and met with our leadership team more than once and just prayed with us and just listened to us and you didn't have to do that, but you did. You you poured into us at a time that was really a, a time of transition and fear in some ways in our organization. Um, and then I think back to the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. COVID. Um, I don't know who reached out to whom, but I do know this. At the, be- the opening days of the pandemic, we needed to spread people out. Right. Because the CDC was saying that half of the chronic homeless population in the United States was at risk of dying from COVID. Mm -hmm. And of course, churches weren't meeting at the time. And you guys opened up your church for men experiencing homelessness. And we're not talking about men that have gone into a program. We're talking about men in the shelter to come and stay at your church 24-7 to use the shelter. And um, that's just not normal. (laughs) <laughs> right. And that's, that's a great compliment, by the way. But it, but it speaks to, I think, the culture, the DNA of, of both of you and of your church. Because I remember, Christy, I think we were talking and you're like, well, I do need to talk it over with the congregation and, you know, we need to get their thoughts and feelings. And one of you got back to me and said, overwhelmingly, the congregation says, absolutely throw the doors open. Yeah. And um, that was such a blessing. And I know Adam that you were coming in then to City Life with our men staying there, and you were oh, having devotions with them. They were, they were my bubble. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you, you said it impacted you, right? Oh yeah, huge. I mean, I think that every pastor struggled deeply yeah. during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, you're used to connecting with with people and shepherding them and investing in them, and all of a sudden that's all cut off and it's all over a camera, yeah, right? And which um, is terrible. Which is terrible. Yeah, I mean, it is. yeah. We so um. Yeah, just being able to go in and connect with with the guys that were there, and I led a yeah. Bible study during that time, and um, yeah, it was, it was I received. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. grace for me to yeah. to be able to experience that with with them. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. And I was super proud of our congregation. I honestly yeah. think there are a lot of Christians who would have loved to have done the same thing. I don't, I don't think we're special in that way. I think there are lots of people who would have loved to have been able to do that. And we felt, we felt privileged, like we were able to serve in that way, but I will never forget that zoom meeting where we called the congregational meeting. And this was in the early days of the pandemic where we just didn't know. I mean, this was in in New York when everybody was dying, you know, like it was really serious. We don't know what's going to happen. And and we don't know how it spread. Is it spread through physical contact? Is it spread through Mm -hmm. the air? Like nobody knew the answers to those things. And so, I will never forget being in that Zoom meeting with all these faces. And I'm like, here we are. This is the opportunity that we have. And these are the reasons why I think God's going to want us to do this. Let's talk about the reality. These are the risks. These are the things that could happen. Uh, there's there's all sorts of, there's security, there's community, there's 
a disease. There's what, what are we going to do about these things? And I will never forget. It was a unanimous vote of people wow. saying this is the right mm -hmm. thing. We had, we said, okay, we're going to do two work days so that we can prepare the building and do what we need to do to get this ready. People came in wearing masks for the first time because mm -hmm. masks were new. Right. And, uh, I remember a couple people delayed, they had like an anniversary trip to their cottage or something. And like they delayed that so that they could participate in the work days. And, wow. and um, it was, but we really felt again, like who's, who's really being blessed here. We felt like we were yeah. so, and, and we got to know these men, Adam really got to know the men and they, they set up cots in the sanctuary and slept in the sanctuary. And we, we did, we, we'd go up and we'd record our services during the week up in one of the little rooms upstairs and then they'd watch it downstairs on Sunday with everybody else. Yeah. One, one of the guys <laughs> plays keys. And so he performed during, yeah. he did like a couple a of the guys gave solo. testimonies yeah, yeah. and, and our online really? services. Yeah, oh, yeah, we just yeah, brought yeah. them up we into should, our recording room. Yeah. They yeah. helped yeah. do the worship service. Yeah. Wow. That's so great. Okay. So Adam, how do you get from co-founder of city life to staff at Mel Trotter? Oh, what kind sure. of journey did God have you on? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, does he have you? That's a great question. You know, all I dreamed about in ministry was city life from when I first put my faith in, in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it took, uh, God working with me over the course of several years, just, and God was preparing me for a few years, just saying, Hey, your role's going to change. I didn't know what that looked like. I thought it could mean a couple of different things. Um, City Life is this multi-ethnic church, and yet we have two white, married, co-lead, founding pastors. That's a really strong cultural dynamic, and how do, you can be intentional in all sorts of ways, but how do you really crack open that leadership structure in order to um, reflect the, the body? And so, um, so yeah, uh, I had an opportunity uh, pop up in 2000. Uh, 20, 2021, mm -hmm. 2021, and um, just sensed that it was the right time. So I stepped into a, a role with another developing nonprofit, a great mission, mm -hmm. but it just wasn't quite the right fit yeah. for me. And so after a year of that, um, I decided I've got to, I've got to, I've got to get out of this. So um, <laughs> I stepped out and um, when I became available for, for employment, and was feeling a little bit like, man, you know, I just, I just left this church that I love to go do this thing and <laughs> felt like a little bit of a failure. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. there was, uh, five different folks in leadership from, you know, two of them sitting across from me right now who reached out to me, uh, during that time and said, Hey, are you interested in this or this or this? And it just made me feel like a million bucks, you know, mm -hmm. uh, just being valued by by the, the leadership at Mel and by people who knew you, by people yeah. who knew yeah, me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, um, then, uh, I remember having coffee with, uh, both of you mm -hmm. and saying, this is what I would really love to do at yeah. Mel if this was at all a possibility. And you took a deep breath and said, come on board. Yeah. Yeah. So, so right. Well, yeah. And it almost, um, <clears throat> reminds me of, how you describe Christy of people just unanimously saying, yeah, like we can't say no. That's how we felt when we met with you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was just, it was like, we don't have necessarily a position, but there's no way we can say no to, mm. to Adam. And it's just, it's the right fit. It's the right, right. Everything. It's the right heart. Um, 
And so, yeah, you were looking at me like to say, can you describe what Adam does in the team? I'm going to have, because you're a church strategist. You this? Yeah. You are good. I know. It's only taken me two and a half years now, right? It's like, um, but yes, as a church strategist, so Adam's on our development side of the house under advancement, mm-hmm. but I'd love for you in your own words, just to say, this is kind of like when you wake up in the morning and you come to Mel Trotter, this is what you focus on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about my my job description, I come back to this this line over and over again. I try to move the needle on homelessness by deploying churches. And so that's really good. Yeah, yeah. thanks. <laughs> we still have on the market. Are you just finding out what Adam's doing, Dennis? <laughs> I mean, I kind of knew what he was doing, but I didn't, like, oh, pretty, like, yes. we need that on a T-shirt. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Go on. No, that's that's great. <laughs> I believe that. Um, that God wants to use his, his mm-hmm. church and God has certainly used Mel, Mel Trotter. And I think that, um, when the, the church of Jesus is in partnership with Mel Trotter, that's when, when Mel Trotter's at its best. And I believe that, mm-hmm. um, you know, the church is God's primary agent, uh, mm-hmm. for his kingdom in this, in this world. And so, um, yeah, I just love the idea of helping churches develop ministries that they own, that they, that the, their church members are are engaged in, in ministry. Um, and then Mel Trotter can just come alongside as providing some best practices and maybe some support to, to, to those those ministries. I think that that will just uh, make our partnership stronger with, with churches. I'm not a pastor who's left ministry in the local church yeah. and is jaded and doesn't believe in the local church. I believe that God's spirit wants to move through, through yes. his church and through ministries like Mel Trotter and um, I want to be part of of that. So, yeah. You ought to see if we can get anything going with City Life Church. They're a little ways away I'll from try. us. Yeah, I'll yeah. Try. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. might have an in. Yeah. You might have an in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So along those lines, um, I'm going to maybe go down a little bit of a rabbit trail. But this is interesting to me. We talked a little bit about the pandemic and 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 pastoring to people through mm. a monitor, not being in proximity and mm. in community. Mm. What would you say? What do you envision the future of the church to look like on the other side of this? Kind of a wow. big question, but oh yeah. yeah, no pressure to get it right, but we all yeah. want to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the yeah. bigger church in general. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think the church has taken a hard hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we we've, we've shared the statistic pretty regularly that uh, that thirty percent of folks have left the church and are not really planning on coming back during the pandemic. During the pandemic, or yeah, thirty percent of people who were regularly previ- who were previously regularly churched who went to church all the time. Okay, they're they're saying we're done. Why yeah. do you think that is? Just I mean, again, I think that the pandemic accelerated that, but I think that there was already sort of mm-hmm. a movement. Oh, mm-hmm. P- political division. Mm-hmm. Political division is huge. Yes. Um, all the cultural shifts that were happening mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. twenty twenty that even go the, the racial tensions mm-hmm. yeah. were, were pretty disheartening for a lot of people. Yeah, I feel like there's stuff that we've named, and then I feel like there's even stuff underneath that that I, we haven't named yeah. yet. Yeah, that was kind of part of part of that. Um, but it was it's hard for for churches. So thirty percent of but forty percent are still connected, but they're just. They're dabbling. They're dabbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dabbling, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. And 30% have doubled down. And so mm-hmm. they're saying, look, I just know that Jesus has saved me and I'm going to stick with Jesus to the end. And they're they're doubling down. They're saying, we're going to pray for, for something new and fresh to come. And we just want to be found faithful when mm-hmm. spirit moves. Mm-hmm. And wow. I think that, I do think that in the future, either Jesus will come back mm-hmm. or the spirit of God is going to renew his church. Yeah. And, um, 
I think that in this time right now, um, churches have the opportunity to just try to be faithful in a, yeah. in a tough season in a rough patch and, um, wait for God to, to rescue us. Yeah. And I think he will. I think God's spirit will move. It's so interesting. Cause I think about, you know, my own church and our attendance is a fraction of what it used to be. Mm-hmm. But in some ways I would say our church is healthier than mm-hmm. it's ever been. A lot of churches are saying that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. But the healthy part of it um, mm-hmm. is, is really powerful. I mean, you're hearing a lot of churches say that or you, yeah. yeah, and that that statistic, the thirty, forty, thirty percent, is a is from Ed Stetzer. Okay, and right. it, it, he's describing that for, of North American churches, and like mm-hmm. we've just seen a similar dynamic at our church. Yeah, but and I, in the hundreds of churches that I talk to now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're seeing that, you're hearing that over and over in your conversations, mm-hmm. but there is, but but I do think that the whole social justice movement mm-hmm. has that that's been a piece of our story at least at City right. Life, where. In the last couple of years, I think we've had we've we've really had to draw some distinctions between what is where are there differences between maybe a, a secular social justice ethic and a Jesus social mm-hmm. justice ethic, and and uh, we've we've really leaned pretty hard into saying yes, we care about we care about the poor, we care about right. racial unity, we care about justice. But let's talk about it. Let's be formed by scripture as our foundation and not the secular, not so focused on scripture foundation for those conversations. So we've really found ourselves making that distinction and having that be really important. And and I think that's something that will increasingly be part of the future of the church Mm -hmm. as we figure out how do we talk about these things? What place does the Bible have? Right. What do we actually believe about Jesus and his divinity? Do we yeah. do we accept the divinity of Jesus or don't we? Yeah. I, I think those two things are really core for us right now. Yeah. I, I think that it does give a huge opportunity for a church, though, right? I can remember, gosh, maybe 15 years ago. It could be longer. I'm not sure. But I remember reading a book by a pastor in California, Dan Campbell. Campbell or Kimball? Kimball, I think. Um, and the title of his book was They Like Jesus But Not the Church, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And the whole book was about... Um, the up and coming generation, you know, going, boy, I don't see the Jesus that I hear about in the gospels or read about in the gospels being necessarily reflected in the church. Mm. So I'm saying no to this and yes to this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we're in a similar cultural moment now in part because of politics and all the divides that are there. Um, But I think it's also a huge opportunity. I can remember a pastor several years ago saying, talking about social justice and evangelism Mm -hmm. and saying, it's not either evangelism yes. or social justice. Right. Yes. It's both. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. right? And right. to your point, it's about, right, if you want to talk about justice, the Bible is full of justice, right? God yeah. wants unity. Mm-hmm. So when we look at social justice through a Christ lens, mm-hmm. I think there's a huge opportunity for the church going forward. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. at least I hope there is. Yep. Yeah. There is. And I think we're in a time of purification for the mm. church. And, and I do think that people are going to have to be a lot clearer about why they follow Jesus, why they yeah. go to church, what role the Bible has in their lives. It's yeah. been, I think, more easy to just be part of the cultural movement. Mm. And it's not going to be the, brighter, the broader cultural movement. And so people yeah. have, will have to make choices and decisions mm-hmm. about this is why I believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. This is who I follow. Yeah. I think that's why I had such a hard time in retrospect trying to land when I came mm-hmm. here to West Michigan because there were churches um, – 
that were more to me like an Aerosmith concert. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, and I mean that there were like smoke shows and I'm like, well, this is a, this is a great band, mm-hmm. but like, where's Jesus, you know? And, and it just, it, there's a feeling into your point, like this purification process. It's like, what do we need to get back to? I felt like I was, that was not taking me back to anything other than my eighties metal concerts, but, <laughs> but it wasn't taking me back to, to my grounding, mm-hmm. to, to the mm-hmm. spirit, to, to every single thing that I sat there in reverence and listened to and felt and experienced. I, I couldn't find that. You know, I, I struggled to find that. And I think a lot of people right now are struggling to find just that um, solid footing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because when the whole world around yes. you seems uncertain, so out of insecure control. and yes. out of control, yes. right? Um, then where's the rock? Right. Yeah. I think there's some mm-hmm. hymns written about that, but yeah. right. But what yeah. you just said is what our guests experience every day. And, Absolutely. And, and that, that to me, it's like, you know, oftentimes we just kind of think, well, this is a big deal to us. I mean, some something will settle down. I'm like this has been our guest experience for the majority of their lives yeah. in some cases, in right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 And God loves them and intervenes, mm-hmm. right? Like that's yes. the yes. story that we get to be part of. And we see that in individual lives. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking of um, someone who's been part of city life a long time. As I'm describing her story, you could probably think of, right. of her name, but um, she, when we first met her, she was just a, we knew her as our neighbor and then found out later that she had uh, a severe um, heroin addiction, mm-hmm. heroin, mm-hmm. heroin, heroin addiction. And <laughs> I think uh, it was a couple things, but that was the, yeah, yeah, the, hard like the, yep. the hardest one. And um, God loves her. Yes. And so he didn't leave her in her addiction and she did seek help at, at Mel Trotter. And I know this is, I know that God has different paths for people. Sometimes it's a right. difficult you know, struggle to find mm-hmm. sobriety. Well, she prayed with yeah. a Maltrotter staff member yeah, and was miraculously delivered of, mm-hmm. of her heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, God did this for this woman that he loves. Yeah. He also loves his church. Yeah. And I think that it, even in our stupor as a, as a church, God loves us enough not to leave us there and mm-hmm. we'll, will wake us up and maybe it will be a struggle to get there like it is for so many of our guests yeah. and it'll be, you know, sort of a process oriented thing or maybe we'll pray someday and he's going to wake us all up and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be I like that closer to who he wants. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Closer to who he wants us yeah. to be. Yes. But yeah. So I could like talk to you guys for hours and hours and hours. Um, but I guess my last question, yeah. um, and, and I'm following your lead from, I think, our last podcast where you asked, asked our guests this, and I thought it was so smart. Um, did what's you, on did your you heart that you want to just leave our listeners with? Because yeah. we have no idea. You know, we talked about it. We don't know who's listening. Um, but what I do know is that there's somebody listening that needs a word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know what that word is, but it's whatever God puts on your heart. So what, what, what would you like to say? Yeah. I think that I would want to say... Um, you know, don't give up on Jesus. I, I really think that um, there are a lot of uh, church folks um, who are, are questioning um, whether God really loves them, cares for them, has the ability to change them and grow them and set them fully alive. I think that there are a lot of pastors right now who are asking yeah. the same question. Um, their bodies of people, their churches that are they're asking that same question, is this really all it's cracked up to be? 
I just want to encourage them to to stick with Jesus, that he really is the God's son sent to save the world, and his leadership of us will will bring us home. And I'd say that's the first, that's the most important thing. Maybe the second one is don't become weary in well-doing. Mm. Because a lot of people come to City Life and they like the poor people that we have at the church. Yeah. It's kind of exciting, right? And yeah. it you hear the testimonies of people seeking sobriety and people finding housing, and that's exciting. But it's also messy when you actually get to know people. It's messy and it's complicated and it's hard. Your hearts get broken. And so for all of the beautiful and incredible stories of redemption, we also have stories of heartbreak. We've had a lot of friends die. They die young because yeah. life's been hard. Yeah. We've done funerals for people who have overdosed. We've I, There's heartbreak. And to open up your heart, I mean, as pastors, we kind of like sign up for this, but to be a regular congregant and then you're mm -hmm. coming in trying to be, say, say you're a middle class and you're kind of coming in trying to love people who are walking through a uh, homelessness or addiction and those, those sorts of things. It's, you've got your own thing. You've got yeah. teenagers that you're yeah. trying to figure out how to parent well. Right. You've got your own issues and your yeah. own hard stuff. But then to to try to engage in love is, after a while, it's taxing. Yeah. And so I think doing doing the kind of work for the long haul and not having to force Jesus or church to be something amazing all the time, but say actually following Jesus is just about faithfulness yeah. and it's about let's, let's just love as, as much as we can. Um, as best we can, even if it's broken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of our most poignant moments have been sitting at the bedside of people as they are preparing to die, mm -hmm. knowing their journeys with addiction, substance abuse, trying to do recovery. Um, but then there are also stories like a man in our church who he went he went through multiple programs in Grand Rapids and multiple missions, and <laughs> we've known him many years. And he he gets in recovery, then he relapses, gets in recovery, relapses. Reco I mean, twelve times, yeah. ten times, twelve. Times, I don't know how long, how many times it's been, and he's known he can come back, mm -hmm. and so he's kept on coming back. And now he's in the best stretch he's ever been for as long as we've known him, and. You just can't give up because yeah. God doesn't give up right. and God keeps on reaching out for us, holding out his hand to us. And um, I just think there's something really beautiful about that longevity that we we don't think of as a regular part of the Christian life a lot mm -hmm. of times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can remember, I'll, I'll stop with this, I promise. I can remember um, two brothers who I know, if I mentioned their names, you'd know instantly. Mm -hmm. Um that were notorious, right? Every night they were either at Maltrotter drunk, in jail drunk, or at mm. the hospital drunk. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one brother tragically passed away, yep. drowned in the river. Yeah. And uh, we were holding a memorial service for him mm -hmm. at Maltrotter. Yeah. And we were waiting for his brother. His brother wasn't there. Yep. And all of a sudden somebody called us and said, one of our staff called us and said, well, I, I see his brother and he's about two blocks from the mission and he's on his way there, but he's really drunk. Mm. What do I do? Well, 
we let him in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, we love everybody. We yeah. let him in. Yeah. And he came into his brother's funeral and I can remember Pastor Leonard is doing the funeral and he opened it up for anybody that wanted to make comments <laughs> and the brother stands up and yep. instantly the humanity of me is going, he's really drunk. He's not even going to get up yep. the steps. Right. And sure enough, we had to help him up the steps and he grabs the microphone. Yeah. And he says, I want to thank everybody here. And he said, because no matter how bad life got for me and my brother, we always knew all we had to do was look to the cross because there was always love and hope and help for us at the cross. And then he said, even though he was drunk, he said, and we mean the cross of Jesus, but we also mean the cross that's right outside the building at Mel Trotter because we could see it. Uh. And we knew we just had to get to the cross and we would find help. Uh, And it's like, I'm going, that's a pretty good sermon. That'll preach, (laughs) you know? So yeah. Yeah, I love this. Thank you guys both for being here. I, I love everything that you left us with. Um, never give up. That's what we have around the mission and some of our inspirational signage. It's just, yeah. it's truth, right? Um, yeah. Not seven times 77. Like just keep going, right? Yeah. Keep yeah. forgiving, keep believing, keep having hope. Yep. And that's what we are all here to do every day to the best of our abilities. Yeah. So yeah. thank you, listener, uh, viewers now on video for joining us again this week on another episode of Everyday Humanity. And we will see you next week. Yeah.